In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Hopefully just a short word to continue what we were talking about yesterday. Yesterday, and the whole point of all of these evenings, and what I'm, I'm trying to share with all of you, is I want to bring you on this journey. This journey, not only of Holy Week, but this journey that's within us. This journey that was started with Adam and Eve from the very beginning. This journey that we as humanity are trying to return to God. I spoke about this quest, this, uh, in this, 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 just this desire for us to return. And when we discussed it, we discussed it in terms of humanity's longing. Humanity's longing for something beautiful. For something immortal. And that this was in humanity's um, genetics, DNA. And I, I put, a, I put a, the sermon up online. And you can listen to it off of SoundCloud. Even though humanity sinned. Even though we fell short of what we were created to be, God left inside of us a deep desire for something greater than just this life that we live in. That greater life is what humanity has always groped after, has always tried to attain, tried to attain through materialism, through gratification, instant gratification. Not only do we want to be made happy, but we want to be made happy quickly. Through wealth, through prestige, through fame, through fortune, through relationships, through drugs, through anything. I'm sure there's other ways, but the point is that humanity never found what it was looking for, what it was seeking after. So humanity started to create religion. Humanity started to develop a religion on its own to answer those deep questions. Where did we come from? What should we do? Where are we going? And some of those religions were able to come very close to what the truth is or what the truth um, entails. Uh, God left in humanity this idea of the truth. And in this idea of the truth, God, uh, which was left in humanity, many different religions started to pop up. And there are good things. Today, even today, we can say, oh, I think there's a lot of good things in Buddhism, you know, X, Y, and Z. Or I think there's a lot of good things in, in Islam. Can we say that? There's, lots, there's some good things there. There's some good things in Judaism. There's some good things all over. What is that? That is the truth that God planted in those people and in those religions. Even in the pagan philosophers, Pagan philosophers like, like Plato, Aristotle, they wandered in the darkness of, in, of the ignorance of God, yet they sought the truth, which of course is beloved by God. And in, on account of this God-pleasing seeking, like it pleased God that they sought after the truth, they could partake of the Spirit of God. And, and God placed at them specifically so that when Christ would come, they would be able to see the truth in Christ. Now you may not like what I'm about to say next. But religion also, it's not just to answer those very important questions. Religion is also a very lucrative business. It makes money. 
lucrative in the sense of uh, the leaders, like remember the story of Bel and the dragon in the, uh, in the Deuterocanonical book of Daniel. We read it on the Apocalypse night. There was a dragon. Everybody in the town worshipped it. Daniel said, this dragon is just, you know, stone. It doesn't do anything. And they said, well, how does it eat all of this food? And then uh, he said, I'll show you. He put silt on the temple floors. And then, the, and then what he saw was a trap door where all the families of the priests would come up and they would eat the food of Bel, supposedly what was going to the dragon, and then they would crawl back down. They didn't see the dust on the ground. Later, Daniel could see the trap door and saw the footprints. This is a very good story. I hope you, I'm not, this isn't the first time you're hearing it. But, so what was that? That was the lucrative nature of this. The religious leaders were able to eat very well every night. I'm sure there would have been times where they said, the dragon doesn't like that food that you gave him last night. He needs better food today. Otherwise, bad things will happen to you, right? This is... But we also have it in Christianity. I, I was joking with somebody about how um, a famous pastor had a $16 million jet and he wanted a $67, or $67 million jet and was telling his people that he has faith that God was going to give him this. And there's an Instagram of Christian pastors who have like $5,000 sneakers uh, and, and other things. You see these people are making money off of that. And it's not just in other religions. Do you know who the richest saint is in Luxor, Egypt? Saint Oneness. Yeah, right? Because everybody that loses something prays to Saint Oneness and they promise something and then they go and they... If, what's that? In Luxor, yeah. So he, he's, he's because of miracles. Miracles produce money. Miracles are, you know, that's a big deal. And, 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 you know, when you have... You have sometimes icons that drip oil, which is wonderful. But that also keeps the lights on, plus, you know, does a lot of things. Why am I saying all this? Why am I saying all this? There's a point to all of this. That people created religion, and religion ended up going in a negative direction clear across the board, even with Judaism. But before we get to Judaism, I just want to somehow define religion. Because what ends up happening are many people see through religion. They know religion to be created as a list of rules and rituals that people need to follow in order to please their God. Who is the authority in that situation? You have religious leaders, the ones who have been appointed by leadership to lead. Now, I don't want to confuse you, so please, hopefully you'll pay attention, and walking out in the middle of the of this, you're going to lose me, you're going to lose the point. So, I know her though, so I'll be able to. <laughs> Judaism started down this road, and you can, there's a lot that has been said. Was it, was it because the, the other religions and the Jews wanted, the, the Hebrew people wanted to be like the others, so God gave them a set of rituals, Maybe, but more importantly, God used these rituals and these rules and the priesthood and the temple. He used it, but it wasn't supposed to be the end. It wasn't supposed to be the goal. The law with all of its rituals, St. Paul speaks about in Galatians as it's just a teacher. It was a guide, a, a, a pedagogue. And, and that word, the, the, um, that word in the Greek was the slave that brought the student from home to the school and back and would help them as a tutor with their studies. That 
that was what the, the law was supposed to be. A slave that kind of helped with the studies. And the law couldn't do it completely and couldn't do it entirely. But it was meant for a specific purpose. What was that purpose? What was the religion of Judaism supposed to, uh, to do? It was to prepare humanity, first the people of Israel, and then it was to go to the Gentiles, to prepare humanity to know God and to know Him as deep as possible. One priest spoke about it like this. How are we going to know God? He said, so all of the law, all of the prophets, all of the temple, all of the priesthood, all of the sacrifices of the, of the Old Testament of the Hebrew people had one goal. And that one goal was to prepare the people to receive God. And, and we could say more specifically, all of that, the goal of that was so that St. Mary could be born. And St. Mary could be born having absorbed all of that and being able to say yes to God when God said, um, I'm going to send basically my son through you. She said yes. All of that, all of that religion was for that one moment. And in that one moment, religion ended. I know you might think that we're part of a religion, but Christianity very profoundly is the end of religion. Religion is when there is a separation between God and man. Religion is when there is rules and regulation and, and the whole goal is to do that as best as possible so that you could be in that right relationship with God. But Christianity is not that, especially in the Orthodox Church. So you have the coming of the Virgin, of the Virgin Mary and the Virgin Mary able to say yes to God. And then St. Irenaeus says something beautiful happened. He said, the Lord has given us a sign as deep as Sheol and as high as heaven, such as we should not have dared to hope for. How could we have expected to see a virgin with child and to see in this child an Emmanuel, uh, a God with us, who would descend into the depths of the earth to seek for the lost sheep, which is all of us, meaning the, creature, the creation that he had fashioned. And then afterwards to ascend again to present to his father humanity, which was regained. Because when he ascended, he ascended with his humanity. In, in this beautiful Jewish Christian text of the second century called the Odes of Solomon, it's written that Christ's or God's love for me brought low his greatness. He made himself like me so that I might receive him. He made himself like me so that I might be clothed in him. I had no fear when I saw him, for he is mercy for me. He took my nature so that I might understand him. My face, he took my face so that I should not turn away from him. And this is a beautiful contemplation that all of that religion was meant to destroy religion in the end. That God appears in the flesh and that God became creation in order to save his own creation. There's no other religion in the world that has this idea of God 
becoming like his creatures. No other religion has this. Every other religion uh, has God up there and we down here, including, um, you know, including Judaism, because Judaism is still waiting for that Messiah. Islam is the same, Buddhism doesn't even believe in God, and, and so on and so forth. This is the only religion that has God coming down. And in a way you say, you can't make this up. You can't make this story up. He does not seek people so that people will come, continue to fulfill certain rules and obligations, but he seeks us in order for us to enter into a mystical union with his creation. Another beautiful quote by St. Irenaeus. He says in his, uh, in his writing against the heresies, he says that this is the reason why the Word of God, the Logos, Jesus Christ, was made flesh, and that the Son of God became the Son of Man. This is the reason. So that we might enter into communion with the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean, we're not talking about so he takes communion, right? We talk, this, is, this is part of it, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow or Thursday. We'll see. But um, what, we're going, what, what he did is he came so that we would be united. Communion is to be united with, so that we would be united with the Word of God by receiving adoption we might become also sons of God. Indeed, we should not dare be able to share in immortality without a close union with the one who is immortal. Remember yesterday how we talked about immortality and this desire for beauty. Immortality and this desire for beauty. How could we have united ourselves with immortality if immortality had not become what we are, in such a way that we should be absorbed by it, that we should be adopted as sons of God. Does this sound like a religion to you? Does this sound like a set of rules? And I want us to kind of forget what we think about our own faith and our own religion. Why are we here tonight? Why do we come to church on Sunday? Why does the priest, especially this priest, say, come to Vespers? Why? Why do I say, or why do we say, read your Bible? Why do we say, go to confession? Is it because there's a set of rules that we have to follow? Why do we say fast? Why do we say pray? Is it because there's this set of rules that we have to follow in order for God, the angry God to be happy with us because He's really upset with us? No. No, all of this, this whole world that we enter into is so that we could, in the words of St. Irenaeus, that we might enter into communion with the Word of God. Yes, we can look at Christianity and say superficially, it looks like a religion like every other religion. There's a priesthood, there's sacrifices, there's this, you know, kind of... Uh, shape and mold to it. And this is even what a lot of the non-denominational Protestants will, will say, hey, look at those guys over there. They still are believing in old-time religion, religion which Christ destroyed. But you can't judge a book by its cover. You can't look at us from the outside and think that this is what the goal of, this, of our faith is. That's not the goal. And that's not the direction of, what, of why we're coming here today. Another great saint spoke about 
the coming of Jesus Christ when he was born, when he was born, that I come back to, when he was born, he says, I will proclaim the greatness of this day, on the day of, uh, of the nativity, that the one who is without material, the one who is not of our nature, becomes incarnate, takes flesh. The word is made flesh. The invisible is being able to be seen. The untouchable can be touched. The timeless has a beginning. The Son of God becomes the Son of Man. Jesus Christ who is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the solemnity, solemnity we celebrate today. This is what we celebrate. The arrival of God among us. Why? So that we might go to God, or more precisely, return to Him. That the coming of Christ is the destruction of religion the goal of which His coming is so that we can return to Him. While we were born, and we said this yesterday, that the second we're born, we start dying. While we were born and we begin to die immediately, Christ was born to live and to give life and immortality to everyone united with Him. Saint Gregory speaks of how God became flesh, and he speaks about it in a very practical way. Christ became human to show us that all the weaknesses of our humanity He came to heal and to fix and to correct and to set free and to overcome. He endured temptation. He endured hunger. He endured thirst. He endured fatigue. He supplicated in that He prayed to God just as we often pray with tears with mourning, he wept at the grave of, of Lazarus. He was sold as a slave. Judas betrayed him and sold him as if he was just property. He was reduced to that. Just 30 pieces of silver was the value of his life. He was put on the cross. He was put in the tomb. And he even descended into Hades. That descent into Hades is this continual condescension. It wasn't enough for God to become human. He had to die uh, an ignoble death on the cross. And then afterwards, not only did He die, but He descended further into Hades to release all those who were in captivity. He took our flesh, St. Gregory says, and our flesh became God. He took our flesh and our flesh became God. We sing this in our midnight psalmody. He took what was ours and gave us what was His. Since it is united with God, and now it forms a single entity with Him. For the higher perfection dominated. God's divinity did not become less because He took our humanity. But our humanity was raised to the level of His divinity. doesn't mean we become fourth members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Bola. No, it's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Buddha. No, it's, it's we are united with Him. He is still God, but we are united with Him through what He did for us. And in His, in his condescension and coming to us, and in his, become, in his carrying our weaknesses, there is a goal to that. He says that our whole nature has now been recalled from death to life. And that He came near enough to death to make contact with all of our mortal remains 
and by means of his own body he provided nature with the capacity for resurrection and thus by his power raising to life the whole of humanity. At this point in the story we have to remind ourselves that humanity fell and when we fell even though we fell and our nature was corrupted it was not completely destroyed. The image of God within us by which we were created in His image and in His likeness, a story we read this morning, in His image and in His likeness, even though we fell and sin entered us and death entered into the world, that image of God was not completely destroyed. He left for us a way back. That way back is that desire for immortality. That way back is that desire for beauty. But we could not obtain that through religion through all the sacrifices and all of the law and all of the prophets and all of the that was given to us in the Old Testament, it was not enough. It did not nourish our thirst. And we still were thirsty, longing for Him. And so, He saw our suffering. He saw the pain that we were in and He came down. He came down to be with us and He came down to raise us up. And then He gave us a vocation. Do you know what a vocation is? Do you know what a vocation Also a nice Latin word. Vocation is a calling. Some might say that the priesthood is a calling. But all of us received a vocation. All of us have been given a calling which is part of our Christianity. And that calling is to respond. It's not enough what He has done but we have to respond with our free will. Tomorrow, God willing, we're going to talk about, number one, the response, our response, and our response specifically in the church, which is the Bride of Christ. Um, tomorrow, God willing, um, I believe it's tomorrow, either tomorrow or Wednesday, I, I know that I should be reading ahead and preparing, but I like to do this in real time with all of you. I like to be surprised again, right? But I think tomorrow is about the bridegroom and the parables. The parables tomorrow and about the bridegroom. Um, but also Wednesday has uh, elements of love uh, in it as well. And this whole, this whole week is Christ as our bridegroom. Uh, in fact, one of the famous icons, God willing, next year will have it nice and enlarged, is Christ the bridegroom which is Christ in the tomb with the cross behind him and, and, and he's, he, or he's carrying, uh, he has the crown of thorns and he's carrying his reed, his staff. Christ the bridegroom, we're preparing ourselves for our bridegroom, for our nuptial um, union with him. And so we'll talk about our response to what God has given to us. Our response is necessary and important. And, and you might say, Abuna, what does this have to do with today's readings? Today's readings are all about judgment. I don't think we need to go there. Right? We will be judged. We will be judged on account of our response. We will be judged according to what we've been given and what we've been done with what we've been given. And I always have to say this. I hate to say this about the cop, those people that are in the Orthodox Church. You have been given much. To whom much is given, much is demanded. And so we take this time seriously to repent and to prepare ourselves to receive Christ the Bridegroom 
Let's take these days seriously. To God be the glory, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and to the age of all ages. Amen. Cry.